In an environment of health disparities amplified by a national pandemic, racial injustice, Providence is committed to improving diversity, equity, and inclusion in our communities, workplaces, schools, and more. What happens now? How do we cope? What's the impact on our overall health and mental wellness? The Culture of Health will focus on what the future of healthcare looks like in today's changing culture. Together, we will discuss how we turn the conversation of culture and healthcare into lasting and meaningful action. Hi, welcome everybody. Um, it's great to be with you today. I'm your host for the conversation that we're gonna have today. My name is Lori Kelly. I'm the Senior Vice President and Chief Philanthropy Officer, Chief Philanthropy Officer for the Providence Health System. As a reminder today, the information provided during this event is for educational purposes only. If you have any questions regarding medical conditions or treatment plans, please consult your physician. This live broadcast will cover subject matter that can be difficult for some to hear. For anyone struggling with feelings, help numbers will be provided. And now we're gonna begin. Um, joining us today is Sol Solomon Thomas. He's an NFL defensive tackle for the Las Vegas Raiders, and he's the president and co-founder of the Defensive Line Foundation. As well is his mom, Martha Thomas. She is the director of education and co-founder at the Defensive Line and also a teacher. And then we have dad, Chris Thomas, executive director and co-founder of the Defensive Line. So welcome to all three of you. It's just a pleasure to meet you and I'm really excited about this conversation. And I just introduced you, but um, tell me a little bit about yourselves. Why don't we start with you, Chris? Oh, well, thank you. Uh, thank you for having us. Uh, my name is Chris Thomas, and uh, Martha and I live in uh, a suburb called Capel, right outside Dallas, and um, that's where Solomon and Ella grew up through middle school and high school, and uh, we've lived all around the world, Chicago, Sydney, uh, Cleveland, and now Dallas, so uh, it's a pleasure to be here to talk about a very important topic. Thank you, Chris. Martha. I'm Martha Thomas. Um, I'm a middle school teacher. I'm uh, the mother to Ella and Solomon. Um, and our world changed three and a half years ago when we lost Ella to suicide. Um, and since then, we've been working hard to make sure no one else has to go through the pain that we've experienced. Thank you, Martha. And Solomon, on to you. Hey, Lori, thank you for having us. And, um, you know, we're so excited to be here. Um, yeah, I'm Solomon Thomas. Um, I play defensive tackle for the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, I started my NFL career with the San Francisco 49ers, spent four years there. And before there, I was at Stanford University. Um, but, uh, yeah, just thank you for having us and really excited to be part of this discussion. Yeah. Go Cardinal. <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, it's just great to be with you all. And, and um, I, again, before we started this, I would just commend you on um, your strength and um, your care for other people because speaking out and learning a lot more about um, such a tough situation and that's something that's impacted your the lives of your family and, you know, will be with you forever. And I know how much you miss your daughter. And um, and I just, uh, you know, just to get started, uh, you put all this to a really good cause and you've started the Defensive Line Foundation. So Solomon, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, how you came to think about doing that? Um, definitely, yeah. So um, my family and I, we got emerged in the mental health world three and a half years ago, like my mom said, when we lost my big sister Ella to suicide. Um, and, you know, before that, you know, didn't really know <clears throat> much about mental health. You know, you know, I grew up. Um, you know, having, you know, extreme what you would call pregame jitters or 
um, you know, wouldn't be able to sleep in college, you know, and call it nervous for the future, but really out struggling with anxiety and other things. And, you know, I really didn't know about mental health. And then, you know, we lost Ella to suicide and, you know, we're in, really immersed in this world of mental health. And we learned how far behind we are in this world and how we kind of have this huge stigma around mental health that, you know, you know, you know, if you have mental health problems, you know, you're weak, or if you have mental health illnesses, you just need to push through them, or you can pray about them, you'll be good. And, you know, what we found out is that we're, we're so far behind and um, that there's so many people out there struggling. And, you know, there's so many people out there who are dying by suicide. So many people who are you know, suffering from depression, from anxiety, from so many mental health illnesses. And so, you know, that really motivated us, you know, to really go out there and, and change the stigma and erase the stigma. Um, so that was a huge, a, a huge goal of ours. And, and in that, for Ella and also for everyone out there who's struggling with mental health and, um, you know, who has who have loved ones who die by suicide, who have loved ones who have mental health illnesses. Um, we started the defensive line, you know, where our, um, our mission is to have a world where no young person um, dies, dies by suicide. And, you know, where our mission is to end, end the epidemic of youth suicide by transforming the way we communicate and connect about mental health. And, you know, we're doing that by, you know, we're creating um, these programs and curriculums, um, you know, uh, with you know, the great help by Providence, um, uh, you know, to go into schools and to teach mentors about, you know, mental health, how to have the language, um, you know, equip young children, equip all these adults with the language to talk about mental health so they can see the warning signs, so they can talk to their kids about mental health, so they can, you know, be able to have a community where it's, um, you know, where mental health is encouraged and it's safe for people to be like, hey, I'm not feeling okay. And, you know, your teacher to be like, hey, it's okay to not be okay. You know, here what you know, here are the resources. Um, you know, how are things at home? You know, those kind of questions. So, you know, it's just been a goal of ours because, you know, we suffer, for, we suffer from the pain of losing every day. And, you know, it's a huge goal of ours to make sure no one goes to that pain and um, of losing someone by suicide. And we also want to make sure that no one goes to the pain that Ella went through of, you know, feeling like, you know, you're fighting for your life every day, feeling like there's no help, feeling like, you know, it has to come to an end. You know, we want to show people that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, that there's help, that you needed to be here, that, you're, that your imperfections are perfect and, you know, you're so important to be here. So, um, you know, that's why we created the defensive line. And, you know, we have so many goals and so many aspirations that we're going to uh, strive for. And, um, you know, I'm just excited to be in this work with my family. Um, my cousin, Ray, you know, she's, you know, the best. She does so much work and so much incredible work for us. And we're so blessed to have her. And, um, you know, we're thankful for the help by Providence, you know, and we're really excited to change the world and, and erase the stigma against mental health. That's great. Thank you so much. And, and um, I know, uh, you know, this is all honored Ella and um, I know it sounds like I did a little reading that she was she was suffering you know from for years just like you'd think anybody that's going in your teens and 20s is doing right so so um were there ever um you know times where you were really concerned about her or was this kind of a, a surprise all of a sudden um Martha do you want to respond to that or yeah there there were some times that that we were very concerned about her. We knew something that happened to her at the University of Arkansas. Um, and we were especially concerned about her right before this happened. Um, and I, one thing that I really like people to know is the hotlines, the suicide prevention hotline and text line are there for everyone. 
Ella knew those numbers. Ella was well aware of the work of the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. So she had had other friends um, who had had issues. But I never knew that I could call and say, hey, I'm worried about my daughter. Like, mm -hmm. or I'm worried about this. She's exhibiting these things or... Um, Anyways, it's just a number everyone should have plugged into their phone um, so Thank that you. they can go to ask questions because I never did. Like, no. and, and I, I wish I knew that that I didn't even think about it, to be honest. No, no, you would think it's just for the people that are going through, but not for the loved ones that are worried. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and Chris, according to the CDC, um, suicide among black youth is rising at twice the rate of all other racial and ethnic groups. Have you guys studied that? Do you, do you know the reason why? Um, what, would you like to comment on that? Yeah, thank you. Uh, and, uh, it's, it's, it is a, a rising uh, rate and uh, for black males and black females. In fact, one of the pieces of the data that we've, shared, we've learned is that between 2001 and 2017, for youth 10 to 17, uh, for black males, the rate has increased. Uh, 80% and 162% for black females. So it's a huge increase. It's not the highest because actually the highest increase is among Native Americans. But I really think it boils down to uh, one of the things Solomon mentioned up front is making sure that we're talking and exercising strong mental health or promoting mental wellness and that we're exercising strong mental health like we exercise our physical health and we're mm -hmm. doing things on a daily basis to make sure that we're looking at it from a holistic perspective. I also think that uh, for African-Americans, you know, the racial trauma, uh, the things we've seen, whether it's George Floyd or, you know, one of the things that we learned through uh, AFSP was in the Journal of Applied uh, Developmental Psychology is that uh, there, the, the average uh, African-American experiences five microaggressions or five micro uh, racial events uh, per day. And I think that wears on you overall. And if you don't feel like you're getting support and direction and, and comfort and love and see hope and opportunity, that that has, you know, can have a negative impact on your mental well-being. So, you know, talking about it, making sure we find a way to erase some of the racism and sexism that exists within this world, because black females have a double whammy, you know, being female, then also being a, 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 a people, a person of color. So I think, you know, we got to find a way to make those things uh, happen. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else want to comment on that? Um, yeah, definitely. You know, I think my dad said it very well, but, you know, just the, uh, you know, the feeling of, you know, not being adequate enough or the feeling of, you know, not being enough, you know, as a black youth or black male or black female um, or, you know, a BIPOC in, in, in this world is just, you know, it's continuous. You know, you go online and you see, you know, uh, a person of color being killed and, and like it's nothing and no repercussions or anything. And it just makes you feel lesser. And just that that continuous feeling, you know, it just pushes you down. It's it's a depressing feeling, you know, and and, and it's, it's also scary, you know, I get scared sometimes driving and the cop pulls, pulls behind me, you know, those kind of feelings, you know, they're, it's, it's, it definitely affects your mental health a lot, but also, you know, just in the, in the black community, we're really just trying to, uh, the, um, the color community really just trying to push out, you know, how important it is to get treatment, how important it is to, you know, practice mental health, you know, exercises, whether it's reading, meditating, you know, um, music therapy, art therapy, 
um, you know, just talking therapy, whatever it is, just, you know, finding different ways to work on your mental health. Um, because, you know, it's, we're way behind in, in, in that, in, in the community because, you know, we're kind of taught, you know, to take it to the church, to pray it off that, you know, because we're already so behind, we have to be so strong, you know, and, you know, that's not the right strength, you know, you know, it, it to be strong, you know, is to truly be vulnerable and to let someone know how you're feeling and to connect with other people on another level. So you can both build each other up so you can let someone know how you're feeling because they probably are feeling the same way in some way, you know, you know, mental health does not discriminate, you know, we're all going to go through mm -hmm. it sometime in our life, you know, whether it's anxiety, depression, you know, um, whatever it is, you know, we're all going to feel it at some point in our life. So it's <clears throat> important to talk about so we can all um, make each other feel more normal because we need to normalize mental health. We need to make sure <clears throat> people understand it's normal to feel anxious, weird, awkward, sad, depressed. Like we're all going to go through these emotions of life. So you shouldn't feel different, weird, or, or abnormal because you're feeling that because, you know, we're all going to go through them. So if, as long as we normalize that and make people know it's okay to feel like that, then we know mm -hmm. it's okay help it's okay to work on these things you know um you know it's it, i mean so that's that's what i'd like to add on about you know the the, um, the bipoc community um and mental health yeah i think i think in fact i keep i keep shifting my thing because i have this keep calm and carry on behind me and i feel like that's so inappropriate for this discussion <laughs> because, because um you know in the past everyone's like oh you know oh why are people making such a big deal out of everything now? We've lived through hard times before. What people, and especially young people, are living through now with social media and, like you said, yeah. with George Floyd, and then you know the uh, the pandemic and not seeing friends and this yeah. and everything. I mean, it, there is a lot going on. So I don't. We can't just keep calm and carry on. So I feel bad. No, no <laughs> but, I understand. You know, it's 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 a hard world out there. And so and so, Martha, what are you guys doing at the foundation to really um, take things up a notch and raise awareness? And what is kind of the way that you guys are working on it to kind of normalize the fact that it is okay to not be okay? So um, we are starting with telling our story. Mm -hmm. um, and being vulnerable because that allows other people to be vulnerable um, and to open up. Um, and then we uh, we recently did a, our first workshop um, in my school district, um, and we are uh, fifty eight percent Asian in my district. Oh, uh -huh. So um, uh, there's a lot of issues going on, a lot of things um, that happened, but we uh, told our story um, and then did a uh, two hour training, allowing people uh, time to actually come up with a plan um, and and just teaching people about the facts of, of suicide prevention. You can talk to a, a student without uh, about hurting themselves without giving them the idea of hurting themselves and how important it is to just have frank discussions. So uh, we allowed for people to actually have a plan, even though our district provides some um, information, even, even developing that even further. Fantastic. Yeah, that's great. And um, yeah, North Texas ASFP is the same. Thank you for sharing your story. <laughs> and if you do have questions for the Thomases, they, we are uh, we, we you can put them in the chat there, and we will we will get to your questions because I think there's um, obviously they're very open and willing to share 
the story to help you out with where you're at. So, um, you know, Laura, that uh, that post just came up is so appropriate at the right time because you know part of our pilot that was very successful where we saw significant increases in knowledge and awareness and comfort levels we partnered with the american foundation for suicide prevention and one of the things we're doing as a defensive line is working with the people who have evidence-based data and approaches that are helping us deliver these messages to people of color but also people uh, who are leading people of color and all all people you know solomon said we got to find a way to make sure we talk about this so folks know that it's okay to be vulnerable it's okay to share where you're at and, and part of that sharing and learning is also growing ourselves and one of the things we try to practice help people to practice in our you know discussions is find a way to learn something new every day you know from a mental health from a from a racial cultural standpoint so that isolation that sometimes causes this pain can can be lessened so that's a key part but I really found it appropriate that that AFSP post came up as Martha was talking about yeah. you know, the, the training that we did. And we're looking to do that across, you know, Dallas, North Texas, Vegas, where Solomon's at with the Raiders and Clark County School System, and also areas like in East Palo Alto where Solomon used to uh, play. But we have some significant connections still there in the Bay Area. Yeah, yeah, very good. Yes. And and again, all these other organizations, Providence too, I mean, we're all kind of coming Absolutely. together and realizing that this is one of the most, um, this is one of the biggest issues facing our world today, especially in the United States. So um, just, you know, all of us can learn more about it and, uh, and learn more about other people and what they might be going through. I think just, we're all going to be a lot better off. And there is a question on this social, um, it's, it's saying, what impact do you feel social media has had on the mental health of our young people today? And does the entertainment industry have a responsibility to help portray people of color? Well, that could be a two-hour discussion. <laughs> but, um, you know, Solomon, you live in the limelight. Um, you know, I, I didn't see how many followers you have, but I'm sure you have a lot of followers. How how, how is this impacting you, the way you're, you know, living your life as a young 20-something uh, man? And, and how has that impacted other people that you know that are going through some hard times? I'm definitely, yeah. You know, my generation is one of the first generations to see social media through. Um, you mm -hmm. know, I was in middle school when Instagram first came out and saw it to where it evolved to where it is now. Same with Facebook, same with Twitter, uh, TikTok, you know, Snapchat, all of them. So I've seen all of them evolve and been, been with them since, you know, we started using them as, you know, late elementary, early middle schoolers, um, you know, and you can, you can just see, you know, the effect it has on people's mental health in our world. Um, you know, just a constant comparing. You're the constant, you know, trying to, you know, live someone else's life or constant, like, you know, not feeling like you're enough. You know, I, oh, I have to do this to, you know, be loved. I have to have this many likes to be, you know, considered, you know, to be beautiful or whatever it is. You know, just always comparing, always, you know, I need this, I need that. And, you know, it takes away from the love that, you know, people need to have for themselves. You know, that people just need to love who they are um, <clears throat> and love themselves because, you know, if you can't love yourself, you know, how can you love anything else? How can you, you know, put, anything else towards anything else. So it's just um, really important, you know, just when you're on social media to make sure that, you know, you have the maturity and to use it in a way where, um, cause it can be for good. I'm not saying social media is all bad, but you know, yeah. this, you know, if you have, you need to make sure that you're, you love yourself before you go on there and try to compare yourself to everyone else or try to reach something else or whatever it is. So you know, that's kind of what I noticed on social media, um, you know, but you know, yeah. Yeah. And and Martha and Chris, how about how about from your perspective, social media? I mean, you grew up without it, right? And uh, you know, do you like us parents? 
I grew up without it, um, obviously, but uh, but what I see in my students is uh, this rabbit hole that they go down yeah. with it, and they may go to it for a reasonable reason, but they wind up, especially on um, YouTube, video after video. Uh, what you know, I have kids that fall asleep in the night and the in the school day because they were up all night. And what what were you doing? Watching YouTube videos or or mm -hmm. on TikTok or, you know, we have it it it's a rabbit hole for so many and not just kids. It happens with no. all of us. When I see my screen time that I've spent per day, it scares me. But I always say, well, but I'm working too, right? But you know, I'm working yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the best on social media, but I, uh, so I'm glad Martha and Solomon really answered it well. I will say I'm also uh, very encouraged by some of the entertainers that are reaching out and talking about mental health. Uh, whether it's you know Curtis Vance or whether it's you know some of the rappers like the Baby and Jay Z and Kanye, they're talking about the importance of you know make sure we talk about it, make sure we take care of ourselves, and uh, I, I think that's really important that they're talking about to try to way to normalize and destigmatize you know the conversation. So I think that's really encouraging. But I think Solomon and Martha wrote a good comment about making sure they don't grab the rabbit hole and also making sure that there's balance. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I agree, um, you know, it, it could be used a lot more also for reducing stigma in mental health, too. I think we're doing some good with that, but I think that could even be, um, and hopefully there's great videos on YouTube for kids that are, are having some, um, you know, concerns. So those, that's another thing that we could be working on. But I do think, uh, you know, celebrities and people that in the media that use that platform for education, it's just so admirable and what you guys are doing. It's just amazing. So. Um, I, I, I hear, live here in Oregon, and Kevin Love was a basketball star back in the day, you know, playing against my son, actually, and, you know, when Kevin came out, it was pretty amazing. He was one of the first ones to come out and say, and I think that changed the, the platform for a lot of people who would think, how could he have any problems, right? But we all, we all have concerns. So how do you guys take care of yourselves and your own mental health? What are your practices? Yeah, actually, uh, you know, Kevin, I read his story on Players Tribune and, you know, that was one of the stories that influenced me to start speaking and gave me the confidence to start speaking about, you know, my story about my own mental health and also just about my sister's story as well. But, but yeah, I mean, the, the ways I take care of my mental health, you know, um, you know, the year after Ella died by suicide, you know, I was really struggling and, you know, therapy really saved me, you know, going to get help and talking about my feelings, learning how to cope. Um, and I did that for about a year and, you know, now my main sources of, you know, how I cope with my mental health is, you know, I really love to use exercise, uh, you know, eating clean, you know, making sure, you know, I'm taking care of all that, you know, whether it's, you know, going, getting uh, my own like late night workout in my garage or early morning workout and eating clean, drinking a lot of water. But I, I journal a lot. I like to journal, you know, I'm an overthinker. You know, I like to get my thoughts on paper, um, you know, like to have daily affirmations that, you know, kind of get me in my day and let, let me set my day with like really good intentions. You know, I work with a, you know, a mental coach, um, you know, for my sport, but it also kind of helps me mentally in my own day <clears throat> throughout my life. Um, you know, you know, I like to get into some reading and, um, you know, I do a little bit of meditating as well with my mental coach. That helps me as well. But those are ways that I kind of work on my mental health daily, especially when I'm struggling. Um, 
but you know, I'm still learning, you know, there's so many different ways to work on your mental health. There's so many ways to cope. And, you know, I'm going to still experiment in different ways and you know, what's best for me. But right now what's best for me is journaling, meditating and exercising. So um, yeah. those are ways I kind of work on my mental health. It sounds like really uh, healthy eating too. I'm just taking care of your mm-hmm. body in every mm-hmm. way that you can and not self-medicating and doing things that are going to throw you down a whole other area, you know, so good for you. Great, great example to be set. How about for you guys? I practice gratitude. Um, I am grateful for five people before every morning before I get out of bed. Um, and that really kind of sets the tone for the day. Um, and I, I meditate. Um, I like to journal. I don't do it that much. Um, and I'm, I'm really, uh, I, I've been working on self-talk. Um, because we can be so negative. I, I, when I'm catching myself talking negatively to myself, I'm like, what, would you talk this way to your best friend? Would I talk mm-hmm. this way to Solomon or Chris or, you know, like, mm-hmm. and then really try to reframe my conversations with myself. But mm-hmm. I, I'm also an overthinker. So um, getting the feeling out and we've done tons and tons of therapy so yeah. and, and just it sounds like a lot of self-awareness you know mm-hmm. uh, that's not easy for all of us right so mm-hmm. no great. no but also self uh, self-care i mean you know after ella's you know passing you know i i ended up you know in, in some bad spots as it relates to not taking care of myself getting the right balance uh, and had to make sure that I didn't let you know, things uh, get out of control. And so, uh, you know, having to slow down and creating safe spaces and the, using therapy, but also just relying on upon hope and, you know, saying the serenity prayer, you know, daily, just to make sure that I stay focused and balanced. And, and one of the things that we love talking about is you know, making sure we have the right balance on the stool between, you know, mental, physical, social, spiritual, you know, well-being and um, just for trying to make sure all four of those legs are are yeah. stable and, and equidistant. Yeah, the serenity prayer, we should put that in the chat. That's really a good one, right, to wake up to as well. And yes. we have another question on here. It's um, from social. It's, it's saying, which we talked about just a second ago, the numbers of, uh, are higher with people of color. Do we know why? And how do we as a community work to prevent this and break the cycle? So I'm sure you guys have been thinking about that. Um, any comments on, on that question? Um, just kind of how we talked about earlier, you know, you know, my dad talked about, you know, dealing with the microaggressions and discrimination, you know, makes us for lesser value, you know, like we're not enough, you know, that constant feeling, it, 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 it's hurtful and, um, and, and, you know, it's depressing as well. And then just, you know, uh, in our community, you know, just not knowing help isn't, isn't accepted as much, you know, we're taught to take to the church, we're taught to pray about it, we're taught to, you know, toughen through it, you know, we have to be strong, you know, those are ways that we just continue to condense and, and, and push down our problems, and then we, then we eventually erupt, you know, so, you know, our goal is to, you know, educate everyone on, you know, how bad, you know, the the, how the, the color community is with mental health so everyone can help out and, and especially us to understand and know we need to get help we need to encourage help and that help is out there and, and it's necessary you know so there are some ways you know we're trying to you know combat you know the terrible rates and and, and, and statistics you know and just to let people know it's okay to not be okay and it's, it's, it's okay to get help um you know those are ways we're really trying to do this 
Yeah, and I think um, Solomon hit the nail on the head, and it's, I think there's a need for hope, <laughs> uh, particularly when you realize that, you know, there are three killings per day of, 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 of unarmed black people, and uh, that's just, you know, uh, to see that with social media or in the news is just, it gets depressing over time, and the we just got to find a way to bring hope and opportunity, and you know, part of the opportunity is, is is shortening and lessening the economic gap between blacks and whites, as well as uh, the life expectancy. I mean, the New York Times just came up with an article today that talked about, you know, Hispanics lost three years versus 2019, and uh, African Americans 2.9, the highest decrease in life expectancy on, on record. So we got to find a way to fix these systemic issues. And, I, I, I wake up every day believing people want to do good and will do good, but we got to be we got to be conscious and deliberate about it, and not just talk about it. And making sure we're reaching out to different types of people, growing and learning, and making making a positive impact on the world, uh, the world we live in, and also the world we live beyond. Yeah, great, great comment, Chris. Martha, anything to add on that? Mm -hmm. You're muted, Martha. I'm so sorry. Um, you know, there's also less resources. They're underserved communities. Mm -hmm. uh, there are less resources available on top of the systemic racism um, that has been in this country for years and years and years. It's It can be hard to find help, uh, to find a therapist. Um, and depending on where you live and, and where you are, uh, we spoke at, in at Miami-Dade schools um, uh, a year ago, and or two years ago, I guess, <laughs> the, pin, the, the last yes. year in there. Um, and a young woman came up to us and she said, if, if I don't get help at school, I won't get it because my mother says, we don't do that. Mm. And, you know, so there's yeah. a lot of cultural issues. It's, it's so many different reasons. Yeah. yeah, that's one thing we're really happy working with Providence and work to be well is that you guys are together. We're trying to find a way to get the right kind of resources, whether it's training, but also therapists or you know resources and materials out there so people can really get what they need at the right time. Yes, yes. Thanks for bringing up about work to be well and it's work. And then number two to be well. So yes. just Google that, and uh, we'll also put that in the chat as well. Solomon, talk about your teammates and kind of the support that you've gotten from the NFL and, you know, what's the culture, how's it evolving there, and what has been your experience in really um, taking a personal issue so public? Yeah, definitely. You know, it's, I, it's been very encouraging recently, you know, especially with my teammates, you know, reaching out, hearing my story, you know, getting texts, you know, um, you know, getting people reposting, you know, um, our foundation. Um, you know, talking about, you know, hey, your work you're doing is great. You know, we appreciate you talking, you know, having team talks. You know, we had the Raiders, we had, you know, a little um, behavioral um, <clears throat> behavioral uh, wellness talk, you know, at the end of our uh, mini camp uh, about a month ago. And, and as well as, you know, being on, you know, talks, national talks, whether it's, um, you know, uh, you know, the, uh, I forgot what show it was, but, you know, we were on a show with like four NFL players and then, um, you know, with Car another show with Carson Daly, um, you know, and just yeah. with other NFL players, you know, just talking about mental health and it's becoming, you know, more of a thing to, to encourage athletes to talk about mental health. And that's one thing I like to, to preach to athletes is that, you know, 
the better we take care of our mental health, the better football players will be, better athletes will be because, you know, mental health and, and physical health, it's not one or the, the other. It's, it's, it's a total health. It's a whole health. Um, you know, if, if our mental is better, our physical will be better. Um, you know, if we can think clear, if we don't have, you know, if not shadowing anxiety and depression and not taking care of it, then that will decay our physical health. So, you know, the better we can have, the more clear we can be, the more we can work out our problems is, you know, the better, like, we'll be as an athlete. So that's, like, that's been encouraging, you know, an encouraging message that I try to give to other athletes out there, you know, to, to really just work on their whole health and, and work on their whole, like, total player that they are, they are supposed to be. Um, but, you know, I've been very encouraged by the responses of my teammates. You know, the league um, two years ago had a whole mental health initiative. Um, and, you know, I think they're doing a better job. Um, you know, I think there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. And, um, you know, players still need to, you know, um, you know, really encourage others to take care of themselves and take care of their mental health. You know, there's a lot of a lot of unfortunate situations, you know, that happen to former players when they when they leave the NFL. And, um, you know, we're trying to reduce those from happening. We're trying to reduce those from happening while they're in the league and when they're out of the league. So they're always able to take care of themselves no matter what's going on. Yeah, that's great. And the resources, too, that, that you're creating. And, and I just uh, I want to put a plug in because I work in philanthropy. And mental health is one of those areas that it's harder to raise money in because yeah. of the stigma. And a lot of people don't want to identify that, oh, well, I had a person in my family that had a mental health issue. We all have that. Every mm -hmm. person has that. And so, you know, there's a lot your your foundation, what we're doing at Providence, NAMI, I mean, there's all kinds of organizations. If this is a passion of yours, I encourage you to get involved. You will get more out of your involvement than mm -hmm. uh, you put in. And you'll be doing something for a lot of people. Uh, so I just want to put a plug in that there's the resources that we have in this country for mental health issues is far from adequate. And it's an area we really need to focus on in healthcare, mm -hmm. uh, private foundations like you're running, and just on um, societal throughout society. Um, we had a question come in on the chat, Martha, for you, wanting to know how you started your meditation practice and um, how you've calmed yourself down and how how, how that's working for you. So I, I started uh, my meditation practice using some of the um, apps, which is kind of ironic, like you're meditating, but you're still using your phone. Um, <laughs> and uh, I did find it very challenging. And so frustrating, in fact, that I quit several times, like, I'm not, I'm not doing this right. I'm not doing this right. And then um, on one of them, it said, one, it said, think of your thoughts. Uh, think of yourself as someone sitting next to a highway. And you, the cars that drive by are your thoughts. You see them, and they're gone. You see them, and you're gone. It's not that you don't think your thoughts. It's that you don't have to dwell on them. Mm -hmm. And that's helped me so much throughout mm -hmm. all parts of my life. Just because a thought pops into my head doesn't mean that I have to sit with it. Mm -hmm. So some of them aren't mm -hmm. productive to sit with. True. <laughs> yeah, great. And then how about for you guys? I bet it was new to you as well. Any, any tips on meditation and calming yourself down, thinking good thoughts? Um, you know, my mom actually helped me out with meditating, you know, because I would get frustrated too. But, um, you know, the best advice she gave me is that, you know, just trying to meditate is meditating, you know, you know, thoughts that come in your head and, you know, those are meditating thoughts and like just to just keep going, keep breathing through it. Keep just let those, let those, uh, <clears throat> let those thoughts disappear like the clouds in the sky and just keep them coming through till you're at a total zen. 
Um, you know, I, I started off with Headspace and now I work with a mental coach who takes me through meditations, but um, Headspace is great for me. You know, it gave it guide, those guided meditations really helped. And, you know, um, you know, so that, that's what kind of helped me with meditating. And then, you know, I really do encourage journaling because it's crazy once you put a thought on paper, how it kind of disappears from your head and it's not ruminating through your head uh, for like 48 mm -hmm. hours. So, um, you know, I really, I really do encourage that as well. It also gives you evidence that you've moved on from something, nice. you know, that, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. For, for me, it's journaling and I'm not as good as Martha and Solomon uh, at meditating, but one of the things I've really done a great job of recently is just slowing down, letting life happen and just, you know, trying to find a way to laugh, learn and cry every day. <laughs> and sort of the Jimmy Valvano comment, you know, it's just, you know, you live good days, you live, learn something and you cry. And so I try to do that every day. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe uh, maybe two more questions and then we'll, we'll uh, take off. But what would you guys like us to know more about the defensive line, about what you're you're working on? I want to make sure that, that folks, we've got the the, um, the website up right now, but just um, what would you like people to know more about your goals there for anyone? Um, I would say that, you know, we're, we're really just getting started. Um, you know, we just had our first pilot program and, you know, we're starting off in schools, but, you know, we have goals to expand past that. We have goals to work with coaches, sports programs. We have, we're, you know, we're working on, you know, creating in, in school clubs to make it cool for, cool for kids to talk about mental health and, to, you know, have safe places just for kids to have a mental health. You know, I spoke at a, a mental health club in Palo Alto High School, and that really encouraged me to really start that, you know, nationwide. You know, um, you know, I, I, it was a group of like 20, 25 kids and they it was a student run uh, club and it was a mental health club. And I was like, that is so cool. You know, I really wish I had that in high school, you know, to make sure that it's cool to talk about mental health or know where to go to talk about mental health or to have some friends outside my normal friend group where I can be like, hey, I'm not feeling well, like, how are you doing? Like that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, we have we have so many goals and um, we're really just trying to, you know, create a better community in mental health and, and really uh, have like really good suicide prevention programs in schools and businesses and sports programs. So, you know, we're really excited to do 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 a lot more work and, you know, I'm sure my mom and dad can, can talk about a lot more as well. No, so I think you hit the nail on the head and really the defensive line is, uh, it's, it's for leaders of young people of color, you know, the defense line is a mental health community that empowers life-saving connections. And to us, the important piece is life-saving connections, reducing the isolation, improving, you know, uh, joy, love, and happiness across folks, but also giving them tools to love each other and to love others and to making sure that we find a way to uh, create a world where we normalize the discussion of mental health. And it's just a normal day occurrence and someone's probably tired of hearing me saying this, but you know, practicing mental health is like brushing your teeth. You gotta do it every day. You gotta mm -hmm. practice every day. Otherwise you're gonna have decay and, 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 and issues. So we wanna encourage people to have those life-saving connections and discussions and to talk about it on a regular basis. Great. Martha, how about you? Um, you know, just hoping that that we're able to make a difference um, through our different tiers of workshops that we're going to be developing and really giving people some concrete uh, ways to move forward with their mental health. Great. You're getting some love on, uh, on uh, Facebook here. 
And um, what would you guys, I hope this isn't too hard, but what would you want everyone to know about Ella? She was, uh, she loved everyone. <laughs> everyone that she shouldn't love, she loved. Um, and that's really important. I, I would, I'll let Solomon in, but I, um, she just brought a light into the room in the world, wherever she was, and nobody was too good, nobody was too uh, bad, and she's found a way to, she found a way to just bring everyone to the table so that we could try to find a way to get along and and, and make a difference. And she was young, vulnerable, and feisty. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I would say uh, we're doing the work that Ella Ella wanted to do. Um, Ella wanted to, you know, save and love everyone and make sure everyone knew that they, they were validated and that they were they were okay. Um, you know, Ella, as described by one of her best friends, is was a human narrator. You know, she could connect, you know, the jocks, the nerds, um, you, know, you know, the musicians and, and you know, well, the basketball team. Find a way to make sure everyone understood each other. You know, she would make the people who weren't supposed to fit in, fit in with different groups because she just wanted to make sure everyone felt so important and so loved, um, you know. And that was just so, what was so special about her. It's why she was loved by so many and why she, um, so many people wanted a piece of Ella because she made you feel so important. And that's the work we're trying to do right now is to make everyone feel like their problems, um, their illnesses are so important and so normal that, you know, they're okay, that they're supposed to be here, that, that you know, they're being loved. And I'm, all those people out there that are struggling, just know that, you know, through the defensive line, through energy, through spirit, whatever, you can, when you want to call it, Ella is loving you and <clears throat> she wants you here and she wants you continue to fight your fight and, you know, <clears throat> continue to find a way to be here because you're so needed, loved, and important. So that's what, uh, you know, I want people to know about Ella. Well, I feel you guys are, um, Ella is living on through this work, that's for sure. Her, her light is shining on through all of you guys. So, And I think you guys are, you're on the offense, not the defense. So <laughs> I know you're defensive moment, but man, you're offensive. You are against my house. So I just had to say that. But yeah, I just want to say it's been my pleasure to meet such an outstanding family. And uh, I just wish you all the best in this quest. It's so important. I can't think of a more um, important journey that you're on and how many people you're going to help. And um, so please, if you've got other questions, we can answer them on Facebook. But I just want to say thank you today to Solomon, Chris, and Martha for joining us and to everyone listening and sending in questions. And for everybody else that's battling, there are people out there that are here to support you and to listen to what you have going. If you do have um, concerns on, on your mental health or others in your life or other medical advice, please go to providence.org. If you'd like to learn more about the defensive line, visit thedefensiveline.org. And please make sure to follow Providence on social media, Providence on Twitter, and under Providence Health System on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And that's all for today. I'm Lori Kelly, and um, it's just been a pleasure to be here with you guys. So take care, everybody. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you, Lori. Bye. Thank you, Lori.